Ronananian. When you march into your mechanic the next time and you've got something non-check engine light related, you almost want to ask them, hey, make sure you scan it for codes because you'll be surprised what you're going to find. The car doctor. Maybe it's time to find that first-time dream car, that car that has evaded you since high school. Welcome to the radio home of Ronananian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. Then the mother's old hands begin to tremble And she fought against tears in her eyes But they came unashamed Cause there was no name And she knew that her soldier had died And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome, Ron and and the Car Doctor here. A little bit of a somber note as we kick off this Memorial Day edition of the Car Doctor. Just a word to the wise so that we're all aware, and I know we are. I just want to repeat it, that Memorial Day isn't Happy Memorial Day. Memorial Day is about the fallen, about those that gave all so that we can be here and be free today and be safe and enjoy ourselves this weekend like all weekends and um, we give thanks and thoughts to them and prayers uh, for those that are no longer with us god bless our troops ron and annie and the car doctor here at 855-560-9900 that's the phone number and uh, we're here to take your questions and answer all your car repair car repair related issues as we uh, always do each and every week i'm a little hoarse this week i picked up a i'm not sure what it was an allergy or something this week so um, i apologize for that if it doesn't sound like me it's really me i'm here um i'll prove it to you i'll start answering questions in a little bit um a couple of comments that uh, second hour today this is the two this is the first hour but the second hour today we have lined up Stephen and Anian, first lieutenant Stephen and Anian, uncle steve um he's gonna be with us 95 years young and going strong we wanted to get him in here as many times as we can and a little thought about memorial day from him and i'm sure we can squeeze a few war stories out of him as uh, we step out of um we step out of repairing cars every year here on the Memorial Day edition, and uh, we kind of let Uncle Steve have the stage for 10 minutes and uh, talk about, well, talk about what Memorial Day is, and we think that's important, so we're going to be here doing that uh, second hour. But I am here this hour to take your questions at 855-560-9900. Keeping in mind that that is 24-7, you can call that number anytime, day or night, leave a message. We are live on the air on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And we then start out on the rest of the affiliates. Some of the affiliates take it on podcast and are taken on delay and so forth. But we are on podcast at cardoctorshow.com as well as tune in iHeart and iTunes. This being Memorial Day and the traditional start of the summer driving season or the non-traditional start of the summer driving season, whichever way you want to look at it. I want to talk a little bit about an incident that happened at the shop this week. And for those of you that follow the show on Facebook, because we are on Facebook, Ron and Enie and the Car Doctor. Um, you, you know what this story is. Tuesday this week, and we were busy this week, and I think repair shops in general were probably busy this week because they're trying to get cars ready for um, you know, Memorial Day weekend and the start of the summer driving season, and people are thinking about getting their cars together. And it seems like we're going back to more traditional ways now of being busy uh, you know, pre-holiday. And the shop was full. 
and understand that running a repair shop is a difficult task at best because if you're doing it right, if you have two mechanics, you have enough work for two. If you have three mechanics, you have enough work for three. If you have four mechanics, you have enough work for four and so on. You don't have two mechanics and enough work for one and a half hoping somebody just happens to drop in. That's not that's not any sound business model. Uh, you know, General Mills doesn't make cereal hoping that, you know, they're going to sell all of it. And, they, you know, it, it's they, they've got to have it planned out to the nth degree of how much grain they're going to need to make, how many boxes of cereal for how many people are going to want it and so on. And that's that's the way any logical business model would work. Tuesday, mid-morning, a gentleman walked into the shop asking, would we walk down the street and change his flat tire? Now, you have to understand what the ramifications are. In order to go and change a flat tire and do road service, it's a whole nother set of, of uh, it's a whole nother thought process. It's a service vehicle. It's a floor jack. It's a portable gun. It's, or a tire iron. It's, 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 it's different insurance. It's, you know, it's different. Okay. In 43 years of repairing cars, I've never offered road service. Never had the need because my next question to him was, do you have AAA? Do you have some kind of roadside service or some type of roadside assistance via your via your vehicle insurance? No, he didn't have that. He didn't have insurance coverage. He didn't have any way, means, or possible way to change this flat tire other than himself. And he had a bad back. And this is where I kind of started scratching my head. I said, now, this is an older person. This isn't, you know, this is somebody my generation. And I said to myself, what's the thought process here? You know, what do I do? Do I stop what I'm doing, send myself or Danny to walk four blocks down the road or drive the one of the trucks four blocks down the road in the hopes that we can get this tire off, that the spare holds air, which, by the way, it didn't because after he got it changed, he he drove up on the spare, and the spare only had three pounds of air in it, so it was, you know, it wasn't in the greatest shape. Do I then hold up the whole shop? Does, does Would you, if this was your car and your car was in for service and I had to call you at the end of the day and say, you know, I, I, I didn't get your car done today because I had to go help somebody change a flat that wasn't scheduled. What do you do? What is the obligation of the repair shop? In my mind, in my book, the obligation of the repair shop is to service the vehicles that are scheduled that day. You know, part of the conversation here is if you're going to play with gasoline, if you're going to not have roadside service, if you're not going to have a plan B, in my mind, you're playing with gasoline. And if you choose to do that, I'm not going to set myself on fire just to help you. It doesn't make any sense because I can't go to the customers that are scheduled that day and say, hey, your car's not done today because I had to go help so-and-so. I don't think that flies. I don't think that's fair. So I guess the point of this is, it's Memorial Day. I don't care where you get it. I don't care how you do it. But you need to think ahead. Not only do you need to get the car sorted out and checked over and look at the basics, tires, brakes, fluids, service, maintenance, etc. You've got to think about the what if. You've got to think about what if you get a flat. What's going to happen? I have AAA. I think I could change a flat. I could probably even change a flat on the side of the road in the dark in the rain. But the point is, I've got to have AAA because I never know what else I'm going to need. I never know who's going to be in the vehicle. Maybe it won't be me. Maybe it'll be a family member. And they're going to need somebody to come out and change a tire. 
So please, please think ahead and think about your repair shop. Think about their responsibilities. Think about their obligations. And try not to put them in a bad situation thinking just because it's you, they should go the extra mile. They go the extra mile because they choose to or are able to based on their workload, but they're not obligated to because their obligation is to people that cars are already in the book and in the shop, on the lift, getting worked on. Just some opening thoughts. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Once again, 855-560-9900. Let's pull over and take a pause. When the Car Doctor returns, we'll kick the garage doors wide open. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. That is the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Give us a call and we'll uh, be glad to talk to you about your car problem and help you out just like we'll do here. Let's go over and talk to Tom in New Bern, North Carolina. And look at this, a blast from the past. Tom Lawler, how the heck are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, sir? Couldn't be better, man. Couldn't be better. You ready for a black and white cookie? Oh, I haven't had one since I left. Yeah, it's uh, uh, for everyone else's benefit. Tom and I worked together at WR Radio in New York uh, five years ago now, right, Tom? That's about right, sir. Yeah, that's about right. Tom was my afternoon engineer when we did the show out of New York, um, based out of New York at the time. We're still in New York, obviously. Um, and uh, we used to have a good time. And as Tom always said, I was the only host that ever brought everybody black and white cookies in the station. Um, and we always had a good time. Black and white cookie parties on Saturday afternoon. So, um, just a good time. What can I do for you today, Tom? Well, I have a little problem with my 98 Crown Vic. Okay. And it, it's the civilian version, not the Interceptor, but it does have the dual exhaust and some performance options. Right. But my mileage has been slipping lately. And it sometimes has a hard time starting in the morning. And if I'm gently accelerating between about 40 and 50, it sometimes feels like the transmission is slipping a little bit. But I just had the trans serviced not two, three months ago. I had the fluids changed and the filters changed, and my mechanic said that the car was running perfectly. So let's just take it one piece at a time, and let's start with the trans comment. What makes you think the trans is slipping? Well, I don't think the trans is slipping because it shifts smooth as glass, it never is hunting for a gear. It never slips out of overdrive. It just feels like it's slipping a little bit, like there's a little bit of hesitation when gently accelerating. So do you think that's in the trans, or do you get a sense that it could be in the engine? Is it, is it a buck, like, like, you know, like a mist, that the car jerks? Uh, the car jerks a little bit, but the check engine light never comes on. Okay. And I changed the spark plugs because the vehicle was driven by an elderly person for the life of the car before it was sold to me. And it had has relatively low mileage. I purchased the car with 87,000 miles on it. And the plugs were never changed. They're the original plugs. So I changed the plugs, and the mileage got better. The car was running smoother. And But now, again, my mileage has slipped. My driving habits haven't changed. I put ethanol-free gasoline in it. Right. And, again, in the morning, it has a harder time starting than it used to. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's, if that's the coil packs going bad or something else hinky going on with the, well, with the ignition. you know, Tom, generally the coil packs failing or causing a problem will be there 
it regardless of temperature and also the fact that at some point they will set a fault code. They will start to be recorded as failing somewhere along the way. Do you have any kind of a scan tool? Uh, I have one on back order, actually. I just bought a little uh, scan tool from Amazon. Okay. Uh, you know, here's a case, and, and listen, it's it's not that you should feel overwhelmed. Ford's, there, there's something unique about Ford, and I've, I've run into this many a time, where you can have a misfiring Ford or a stuttering Ford, and it won't mm-hmm. turn a check engine light on. Sometimes, you know, the old joke is it won't turn a check engine light on until it burns the hole in the top of the piston. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's how good is the check engine light system in some cases. But here's a case where if I had a scan tool, like the Ford factory tool, if your mechanic has that, the Ford IDS, or if he has a scan tool capable of similar behavior, you, you have the ability with the, with the dealer-level scan tool to do a power balance and at least determine, is one cylinder contributing less than the others? Okay? That would be, that would okay. be, that would be one way to go about this. The second thing you can do is if you have the ability to look at, and I'm going to use a big word here, mode six. Mode six is the information behind the scenes that tells the computer state of health of the car. How do you how do you know when you're getting sick, Tom? You you, you know you, you have a fever. Yeah, you you know, and your brain starts to record that. Hey, Tom's got a scratchy throat. He's got a fever. He start watch this is a, by tomorrow. Tom's going to have a full blown cold. Okay, mode six. Is, is is that set of feelers. Mode 6 is st- storing the information of the tests that the computer does each and every time you start the car and operate it, all simultaneously, all at once. So for conversation's sake, it will look at cylinder firing. When, when cylinder 1 fires, is the time it takes for the crank to rotate, is it smooth and even to get to the next cylinder firing, or is there a slight lag in acceleration or deacceleration, depending upon where and how it's measuring it, for it to get to the next firing event, to the next firing event, to the next firing event? If it stutters, if it chatters, if it's if it's held up, so to speak, it records that as, hey, that was a misstep, hey, that was a misstep, hey, that was a miss, hey, that was a that was a miss. And sooner or later, it records enough misfires, it'll turn the check engine light on and give us an indication of what cylinder or cylinders possibly could be at fault. So looking at mode six is a great thing to do, especially in any vehicle, not just Fords, but in any vehicle when you don't have the ability or the luck of a check engine light on to at least give you a direction. All right. So, okay. you know, that's two things you can do. You're going to need a scan tool. But let's talk about let's talk about making sure some things are good. All right? So, you must have a long-handled screwdriver in your toolbox? I do. Okay. The eight fuel injectors are pretty easy to get to on this car. All right? With the engine running at idle, and this is kind of rudimentary, but we're trying to be rudimentary here. Why don't we put the screwdriver on the end of each injector and listen to it? You know, just put the screwdriver up to your ear and tick, 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 tick. Move it to the next one. Tick, 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 tick. And they should all sound the same. All right? Now, that doesn't necessarily tell you if you've got an injector misfiring under load. Okay? But at least it gives you a fairly basic, simple idle test. 
something that, you know, maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll hear one that, and Tom, it won't. If you want to hear the difference between a firing injector and a non-firing or a weak injector, unplug one of them and run the car. It's, I mean, the difference is night and day. It goes from, you know, tick, tick, tick to dead silence. So you'll know right off the bat, bat, you'll know what good and bad the difference is and what they sound like. All right. The, the last thing, okay. and, and, and and I think you're going to find you've got a bad coil here. I should point that out. You've probably got a coil breaking down. All right. When you change the plugs, did you dielectric grease all the boots? I did, yes. Okay. You and, and you could very well have a bad boot. You didn't happen to change the boots by chance, did you? I did not uh, because the boots were in decent shape. They were not cracked or corroded. Okay. And you may find the boots are not available separately. They may only be available with, with you know, coils. But regardless, if you could narrow this down to a cylinder, all right, let's say it's cylinder six, then what I want you to do is take the coil from six, swap it with any other cylinder, all right? Does the, does the miss or the stutter that you're looking at in mode six follow the coil or does it stay with the cylinder? If it follows the coil, you know it's the coil. If it stays with the cylinder... Maybe, lucky you, you got a bad new spark plug, I doubt it, but maybe. Maybe you've got something mechanical going on there. Maybe you've got an injector issue. All right? Last thought, okay? Last thought. Take a look at fuel trim when you're driving this car. If good fuel trim is zero, you know, normal fuel trim driving along short term, you're going to see plus or minus 10%. You start seeing excess of that on a continuous basis, especially with long term. You've got a fuel trim issue, and then you call me back next week, and we'll talk about carbon cleaning. So go do some homework, Tom Lawler. Good to hear from you, buddy. And uh, we'll do what you can for you next week after you get some of this stuff sorted out. I'm Ron Anini in the car, Doctor. We are back right after this. Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Let's get over to the busy phones. Let's go talk to Barbara from Park Ridge, New Jersey. Barbara, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Thank you. Thank you for accepting my call. You're welcome. I have a 2015 Buick Verona, which I like a lot. However, the high beams shine sideways and up beyond the tops of trees and beyond the tops of four-story buildings besides shining on the road. <laughs> and you're laughing. And General Motors. <laughs> it's a great description. Thank you. Thank you. General Motors claims that it's, and I quote, a design characteristic of the vehicle, unquote, an insult to my intelligence, and that they haven't had any other complaints, though I know someone was a 2016 with the same problem. Um, the bottom of the headlights have a shiny chrome finish, unlike other GM cars, which I've analyzed, uh, which either have a matte finish or a black finish. And um, it's kind of interesting. The dealership's been very helpful. They replaced the headlight. It turned out to be the same headlight. They've tried a few other things. The low beams, which you probably know, can be adjusted, but the high beams can't because it's a sealed unit, and the problem hasn't been solved, and I'm frustrated. I'm wondering if there's a way to... I wonder what the inside of that looks like. And I've heard this before. You're not the only person to tell me ah, this. Thank you. And and I would also venture to guess that if you looked at another 2015 Verano, that you're probably going to see they all do the same thing. And so then the question has to be, um, why hasn't anybody noticed it? Or, you know, or 
Listen, somebody's got to be first. That's what I always say. If it's a legit complaint, <laughs> somebody's, somebody's got to be first. So lucky you. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was only me. Um, I'm wondering if there's a way to take the high beam assembly out, so to speak, and as silly as this sounds, brush paint over the chrome a flat black finish mm-hmm. and paint it in such a way. I wonder if that would cut down on the glare, what that would do to it. Uh, of course, it's a gamble because you're you're probably playing with a couple of $300 headlamp assembly. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're not cheap, but that would be my first question. That mm. would be... Um, something I'd like to know. What can I do to modify it? The other thought I've got is, are there any aftermarket companies? Because Buick has sort of got this um, sporty image thing going on. Yes. You know, where it's it's sort of like the next sports car. I'm not sure how it got there, but a, a lot of the Buicks are Opals from, or some of the Buicks are Opals from overseas. And, um, you know, they're doing some, there's a big German influence in Buick now. And I'm wondering if there are any aftermarket headlight manufacturers that would solve the problem for you. Not that I'm sure you're thrilled to go out and spend, you know, $500 on headlights for your brand new Buick. But, you know, sometimes you just got to solve the problem on your own because the car companies just don't get it. Well, you know, I'm hoping that if I do have to go aftermarket or any other way, that General Motors will ultimately reimburse me because I did have a case which they closed with me as being an unsa- a dissatisfied customer, which I am. Right. So well, um, have yeah. you have you looked at another Verano, Barbara? I mean, yeah, my friends, I, my friend has a 2016, and he has the same problem. Okay, so let me ask you this question: not, not, Why is he not upset, but you are? Because he's letting me take the lead because I'm better at this than he is. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I, I was trying to say that delicately. Like, is, is, is Barbara is Barbara the, the 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 pain in the neck, or is it just they're all like this? So, and and, and I commend you. I think you're doing a great job. Thank you, thank um, you. And I, you know, I want to get to the bottom of it. And I did. I mean, I checked out a, little, a few things. And the um, I forget exactly what the acronym is. I I H S something Insurance Safety Insurance Institute for Highway Safety rated um, not only the Verano but also the lacrosse, which I think has the same problem looking at the headlights, um, as poor. The lighting is poor on both models. And I've heard this on, I've heard this on the Verano. You have. I can't say that the people think the low beam on the Verano stinks. It does. No, no. Yeah. Ron, it also stinks. Right. It's yeah. horrible. It's, it's a, demar- a line of demarcation right. across the road. And, and people don't understand, Barbara, how well you do, but headlights are so important. Oh, I, I learned this lesson Ten years ago, mm-hmm. I, I had to put headlights in the 97 Ranger, my little 210,000-mile shop truck, which now it's a game. How long can we make it run? And, you, you know, we started out, I put a set of aftermarket headlamps in it just because I said, oh, I'm not going to spend the money to buy Ford stuff. I'll I'll do the aftermarket at a quarter of the price. They lasted two weeks. I threw them in the garbage, and I bought Ford headlamps. Wow. I, I couldn't take it. I, you know, it's it's headlamps, brakes, and tires make driving a vehicle fun and safe. Mm-hmm. And you, you've got to have something good. Um, on a slightly different note, I'm going to raise my hand and change the subject. Tom, jump up to the mic, would you please? And tell me the story. Tom was Tom had an issue with a vehicle. We're talking about taillights, and it, it sort of strikes a bell along your lines. You wonder how they're designing things. What was the vehicle you called me from the road for? This was a Kia. I didn't get the exact model number, but I'm sitting behind this Kia at this traffic light. And the light turns green, and I'm sitting there. It's like, well, what are you doing? And when they pulled ahead... The signal light, the signal indicators are on the bumper. So you can't see them from inside the car. You can't see them if you're sitting behind the car. It's like, 
Really? So, so you know, don't take what you're going through with the Buick as an isolated case. It seems that perhaps the governing bodies that regulate how vehicles display lights yes. has sort of taken leave of their senses um, because I'm starting to see more of this. And Tom's right. If you notice, not that this has anything to do with your problem, but if, if you notice, you ever notice how a lot of cars approaching you and driving in front of you at night? look like caricatures or faces? Uh, I have to honestly say no, but yeah. I'll, I'll be looking for Start that. Start looking for that, especially <laughs> on some of the Japanese vehicles. There's a Japanese term for it. There, it's, a, it's a cartoon character. It's a cartoon caricature, um, and they're starting to look like eyes and noses and mouths. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I didn't understand. Yes, yeah. I know exactly what you mean now. It seems like we're more concerned with making a car look like something other than a car than actually driving it and using it as a car. It's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Yeah, and um, you know, New Jersey Motor Vehicle, as I understand, it doesn't check for any safety things anymore. It's only emissions. And I can tell you why we do that. Why? Please do tell me, because well, I'm wondering. I'm, I'm, I am a New Jersey Motor Vehicle inspector. Okay. All right? And I've been inspecting cars for the better part of, I don't know, 20 years? Mm-hmm. And in the last couple of years, I have put stickers on cars with cracked windshields, bald tires, oil leaks, broken taillight lenses, no headlights, um, because the check engine light wasn't on and it passed emissions. And that's all they care about. And when you ask why, the insanity is because the governing body states that most people will take care of their cars so the state is not in the business to enforce that policy they will leave that up to the local police department and jurisdictions very read, interesting read that as we're going to give the cops the ability to write more tickets and generate revenue revenue of course follow and the money trail follow Ron. the money trail <laughs> every time what, well all right what i'm can, going what can i do for you how can i help you because i i have no other better answer than what well we've... no I'm going to, uh, I think you gave me several answers. Certainly, I'm going to look at the aftermarket. I'm going to look at that. And um, the the part about the painting black, for some reason, the dealership, by the way, has been wonderful, and they've tried a few things for me. I have no complaint with the dealership. Uh, But they say that you can't really get in there. But um, I have a friend who does pinstriping and whatnot, and I'm wondering maybe he can get in there. I'm thinking maybe there's a way to... I don't know, open up the bottom and then fuse it back together. Maybe, go, you know, depending on how you want to attack this, go to a scrap, go to a salvage yard or f- find a cheap aftermarket version and find out how that comes apart. And maybe that'll relate to how the, 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 the expensive piece yeah, comes apart. Yeah, experiment with it. Experiment with it. Can't hurt. I really hurt. appreciate your help. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Barbara. Good luck to you. Very good. I'm Ron and Annie the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. The car doctor hitting the dusty trail here. By the way, for all my brother mechanics in New Jersey, this week coming up, Wednesday and Thursday, the 31st of May and the 1st of June, a really great Chrysler class being put on by the folks over at ATG, ATG, ATG training.com, ATG training.com, a very intensive Chrysler class uh, covering everything right up to current model year. Two nights, I'll be there. I hope to see you there. That'll be down in Woodbridge, New Jersey. You can get out to ATG training.com for more information. Let's get over and talk to Doug from Plymouth, New Hampshire, 03 Dodge Caravan. And uh, what's going on here? Doug, how can I help you, Ron and Annie, in the car doctor at your service, sir? Hey, Ron. Yes, sir. How you doing? Good. What's cooking? Um, I, have a, I have a caravan that uh, that when you hit the brake, 
it's kind of sporadic. I, it's it feels like the ABS wants to go off. It doesn't happen all the time, and it makes the noise like the ABS is going to go off too. So it might it, it only it almost quivers almost right, and you can hear the ABS. I think it's you can hear the ABS go off, but I'm not sure. Okay, and I was wondering. If it was the ABS, if and the light doesn't come on on the dash or anything. Well, I think what you're probably getting is a false ABS event. Did you ever think about how ABS works? Ever think about how does a computer know to apply ABS? Do you know what ABS is? Oh, but it's slipping. When it's slipping, right. right? Well, it's actually what actually happens is the reason anti-lock brakes were created is to prevent one wheel from going into lockup while the others are still rolling. So when when you've got four wheels on the car, if the computer sees the right front go into lockup, it assumes that that wheel maybe is on a leaf or something with lower rolling resistance, a patch of ice, and the wheel was able to be stopped by the brakes. Lockup, so that one's dragging and the other three are rolling, and it's now going to cause unequal braking and the vehicle won't stop as straight and as safe. So the idea is that when it sees a wheel approach lockup or lockup, it will then pulse the brakes hydraulically to slow things down in a more controlled environment, more controlled situation. So that being said, does your problem occur under 10 miles an hour, over 10 miles an hour? Where? It can... Um, Both? Both, kind of, yeah, but it's got to be pretty much over 10, really. Okay. And it, it seems to happen more when it's really warm out, too. All right. Well, my thought is you've got a false ABS event going on, all right? Mm-hmm. The computer is seeing your vehicle as you slow down, and it's seeing one wheel deaccelerate differently than the other three. Or maybe it's two wheels. You know, it's, it's hard to say until we start looking at it. So right. it's, it's seeing a different rate of deacceleration and it's saying, uh-oh, wait a minute, Doug's about to have this left front or right front or rear wheel lock up. Let me start pulsing the brakes to save him. It's it's trying to help. Okay? Okay. Uh, here's an example where maybe, maybe, not likely, but maybe with a good scan tool and put four sensors up and graph them, a mechanic might see something. Chances are no. Chances are this is going to be a case where we're going to attack this using a lab scope some yeah. type of a scope, and we need to put two sensors up at a clip, if we could put all four up at a clip, so that we can compare the wave and see you know, who's putting out a different signal than the other. Get out to the mm-hmm. road, lab scope hooked up, dead straight stop. How's the signal look? Good, bad, same, different, you know, and pick it out. So that, that, won't, that won't happen unless, it were, unless it's doing it, correct? Uh, correct, but... With a lab scope, keep in mind, sometimes the problems are there. They just haven't gotten to the stage of actual failure. So sometimes a lab scope will tell us things even when the vehicle feels normal. So it, it would be a good logical first step. Actually, I'll take that back. It would be a logical second step. First thing I would do, since this is a New Hampshire vehicle, and I'm assuming a lot of winters and snow and slush and corrosion, I'd put it up in the air and I'd look at the tone rings and I'd look at the sensors for any physical damage, rust, or anything that might possibly change the gap between the sensor and the tone ring, because that change in air gap will change the amplitude or the signal strength, and that will put the vehicle into a false or modified ABS event as well. All right? 
dis- could I disengage the ABS altogether? Um, you could do that for testing purposes, but I don't advise it as a safety thing because obviously, you know, that's a that's an insurance company issue and that's a that's a life safe life threatening fatality type of an issue and i don't encourage that at all so let's get it diagnosed and we can get it repaired i'd rather have you safe than uh you know unsafe 855-560-9900 the car doctor's coming back right after this hey ron and the car doctors we wind down this hour by the way stick around next hour Uncle Steve, First Lieutenant Stephen Ananian, takes off once again here on The Car Doctor as we talk about, well, Memorial Day, and um, we'll kind of coerce a couple of uh, good war stories out of Uncle Steve and uh, the things that um, when I was a child I sat on, on his lap and uh, used to listen to him regale about flying under the Eiffel Tower, which I still think he did, even though he won't admit it. I've heard too many conflicting stories from too many other sources. Um, so anyway, that'll be coming up at the top after the news at the top of the hour, so uh, stick around. Um, interesting article. Boy, I'll tell you what, you you know, at first you felt bad for CEO Mark Fields from Ford. Ford's former CEO Mark Fields just, you know, he was fired. He was let go because the stock price crashed. So the article states, Mark Fields is leaving the company with an estimated $51 million in cash, stock awards, and pension benefits. Fields, 56, retired earlier this week after three years, after three years as CEO. Ford made record profits during his tenure, but its stock price dropped nearly 40% on investors' concerns about the company's future. Yeah, you know why? The company's got no future because they just gave this guy $51 million to get out. I mean, they can't see that. Fields will be eligible for $22 million in stock awards that are continuing to vest and an estimated $17 million in pension benefits. He could earn a $3.6 million bonus as long as he's not hired by a competitor. I'm in the wrong business. I mean, $51 million for screwing up. This is like, I don't get it. I just, you know, the other article here that kind of caught my eye is BMW is recalling 45,000 7 Series cars. The doors can fly open. So let's see. We've got flying cars with parts falling off them and cars on the ground with doors flying open. I think we need hard hats, body armor. And in general, we're just going to be in a lot of trouble just trying to get around. BMW is recalling more than 45,000 older 7 Series cars in the U.S. because the doors can open unexpectedly while they're being driven. The recall covers certain 745, blah, 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 blah. BMW says the doors might appear to be closed, but can inadvertently open because of road conditions or occupant contact within the door. So guess what? After all these years of making cars, we now can't keep the doors shut. Yeah, I got a lot of faith in flying cars. Holy cow. Anyway, it's been a great hour. I've enjoyed being here with each and every one of you. And uh, I hope you stick around for the second hour. Until then, I'm Ron Anani, the car doctor, reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.